So many of you will know Paul. Of course, if you've been here on the weekend, you will, you will have met him then. And uh, Paul and I go back a fair way. We were, the church was at Thames Street when Paul and Christine started coming and fellowshipping, fellowshipping there. And uh, we got to know him. Paul worked at the Air Force in Wigram at that time. And I got invited over there a, a couple of times to the officers' mess to have a meal with him, which is, of course isn't your typical grunts mess <laughs> I thought yeah, Paul right. why are you and Christine not eating there every day but anyway that's a different story <laughs> um, yeah. uh, it was a fantastic time and so I dragged him away from all that and employed him to work for, for me for a, for a number of years taught him everything that he knew that's right That's right. <laughs> but it was interesting because as I was Paul's boss at work he was sort of my boss here in church he was an elder and a uh, my connect group leader at the same time, so mm. it was an interesting dynamic. But um, Paul left here as an elder and has gone and successfully pastored two churches up in the Wellington area. And the, one of the hallmarks that I've always uh, admired about Paul is just the way that he is so faithful to God, listening to what God says, and being obedient to to the call and the direction that God gives. And that's what he's going to be talking about today. So welcome to the stage, Paul. It Thank you, yours. Robert. Thank you. Are we on? Yep, wonderful. Thank you, Robert, for that um, over-the-top welcome. I feel uh, uh, very, very honoured. Actually, it's a privilege to be here uh, and, um, and a real honour to, uh, uh, to be able to bring the word um, to you this morning. And just to kind of touch a little bit on what Robert um, was talking about here, kind of all for Christine and I, uh, we used to live, and um, for those of you that don't know, haven't met, we haven't met, um, we used to live in number four Redwood Place here. Uh, back in the day before the earthquakes, and, um, and that's where we lived, and we were part of this church, very much part of this church, and, the, and look, I just see what God has done um, in the, with this building, the physical building itself. I remember the old church and the 360-degree seats, and I was the church administrator at the time when we went through the process of purchasing this whole facility, and the flats were out the back as well, and there was a, just a, a really a God um, uh, a transaction that took place. And often with God, when you're wanting to go into something fresh and something new, you don't always have the resources in your hand to do what you want to do. But that's what happens with God, so it means we've got to depend upon Him. And I do remember, and Newton Dodge, where are you? Yeah, Newton, my old friend Newton, you'd remember this well. We went through all of that process, and we ended up with this building, the old shape of the building. But to see what God has done since then has just been phenomenal. For me to come back here um, and, and to be able to bring the word um, in, in this new facility uh, is just quite extraordinary for me. It really is. Um, so that was 20 years ago when we left here, 2001, uh, and God called um, Christine and I and the kids up to, uh, up to Wellington, and uh, we pastored our first church up there, very first church we'd ever pastored for 14 years, and then we're now in another church. We've been there for about six years. So isn't it interesting, the seasons that you go through? It's wonderful. It really is. In fact, um, on Friday night, we've been building, as Robert kind of shared uh, earlier, we've been building in terms of uh, uh, the, the level of the Holy Spirit. Uh, over the weekend, Friday night, we had all the key leaders, um, and that was a terrific time of just encouraging them that they, they can, you, and anyone can for that matter, you can actually hear the audible voice of God. Has anyone actually heard the audible voice of God apart from all of those that were there on Friday night? 
Yeah, few of us have. And it, 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 God can do that. And I've had that experience, and I shared that Friday night, which I'm not going to go into this morning. Um, uh, but I've had that incredible experience. What I can say to you is this. When God speaks, just obey. And he will do it. When he speaks. When you know it's him. Isn't that right, little fella? There you go. And then on Saturday, we had a bunch of folk there, and we carried on and ministering to one another. And I, what I believe that what God was doing, he was kind of building line upon line, precept upon precept, from Friday night to Saturday to bring us to this morning with what he really wants to do in you. You with me on this? Good. Let's stay together with this. How deep can you go with God? Well, I tell you what, folks, you choose. You choose. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 47. Bruce Rattray, you're probably smiling right now after what you said this morning. Ezekiel 47. Just before we read, uh, we, uh, we read the text that we're going to talk into today, I want to give you a little bit of understanding um, of, of the book of Ezekiel because if you don't have that, you won't have a correct framework to accept or to receive what I believe God is wanting to do by His Spirit this morning, okay? Now, can I just say before I start to the... Is there a camera up there somewhere? There is a camera. If I were to jump down uh, there onto the bottom floor, would I still be in the purview of your screen? Is that a thumbs up? Yep. So if I jump down, the, the, do you think I should jump down? Hey, look, I'm 65 next month. I don't think I'm going to jump down. Anyway... I'll walk down. We may get there. But the book of Ezekiel is actually regarded as one of the most challenging Old Testament books to, uh, to interpret. And that's mainly due to Ezekiel uses a lot of symbolism in, in, in the whole book of Ezekiel. In fact, it figures prominently, prominently throughout the 48 chapters. For example, it was Ezekiel um, to whom God revealed himself in a vision. And listen to this. The vision was four four-winged creatures. There were four creatures, and they each had four wings. And the, the creature's body was full of eyes, and there were flashing bolts of lightning coming out of um, these creatures. And the voice of God was speaking out of those creatures to Ezekiel. I mean, how do you interpret that? Crazy stuff, eh? But that's what he saw. And probably Ezekiel is probably, Bruce, most well-known for the valley of dry bones prophecy. And if you know anything about that, in this vision, God told Ezekiel to prophesy over the bones. And as he did, the bones started coming together, sinew upon sinew, um, uh, joint upon joint, it all, flesh upon flesh, and skin upon skin. It all started coming together. But there was a problem. Even though God had called it all together through the voice of Ezekiel, there was no life in it. And then God said, prophesy to the breath. And he spoke again. Ezekiel spoke again the words of God, and life came. You all look dead this morning. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's to wake you up. Life came just like the life that you have in you right now. You have that life of the Spirit in you right now. Unless you, are, unless you are not a follower of Jesus, and if you're here this morning, you are very welcome because you're in the right place. 
If you're not a follower of Jesus, you have yet to receive that life. But it's there for you if you want it. So Ezekiel prophesied as the Lord commanded, as verse 10 says, chapter 37, and the breath entered in them and they came to life and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Now, this is what I want you to hear. Prophecy found, that prophecy found partial fulfillment in 1948 when Israel was given the land that she currently occupies. And that is still continuing today. That prophecy has been fulfilled in our lifetime. Then chapter 47, we read soon, which we will read soon. Some see chapter 47, because the Valley of Dry Bones was chapter 37, but chapter 47, which we will read in a second, some people see that um, as a future event that will find its fulfillment during the thousand-year reign, uh, reign of Christ. Others see it as symbolic of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God that's coming upon us right now, in our day, in our time. The time is now. Some see it like that. And that's how I see it. Because I believe that that reference and that symbolism is for the church today. Right now. It's describing something in the present that God has been wanting to do and does do. Now, when it comes to symbolism, and we'll get to the text in a minute, when it comes to symbolism, the Bible, um, God uses symbolism to describe or present something in the natural realm, something we understand naturally, as an illustration that some, as something that he wants to do, Katie, spiritually. So he gives us a natural kind, I can relate to that kind of thing, I understand that God, and then God turns it around and he uses it as a symbolism of something spiritual that he's either wanting to do or is doing at that time. And it's with that view in mind that we're going to approach Ezekiel chapter 47. So turn to 47, 1 to 12. Forty-seven, one to twelve. Uh, let me read that very quickly, and then we'll get into the word. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling. From the south side. Notice it was trickling. Hold on to that thought. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. Hold on to that thought. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was then knee deep. He measured off a thousand more and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a great river that I could not cross. In other words, it was over his head. Because the water had risen and was deep enough for me to swim in. Could you imagine swimming in that kind of spirit realm? Could you imagine that? Yeah. And he said, son of man, do you see this? Then he took me back to the bank of the river. 
When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water, fl- this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to Eglam. There will, sounds like Edlin, doesn't it? There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be uh, of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit. Someone say hallelujah, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them, you. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Let's pray. Father, I... I ask, Lord, that this morning you would begin to reveal, you'd begin to peel back, that you'd begin to penetrate into the depths of our soul, that which you are wanting to feed your people with. There will be different levels of um, spiritual experience here today, but I pray that by your Spirit, God, everyone will leave here today feeling watered and fed and full to overflowing with the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. Are you ready for the word? So the theme of Ezekiel 47, just, let's, just let's get this, this as the foundation. The theme of a 40, 47 is both restoration, that God is a restoring God, and provision. So with, with respect to restoration, Ezekiel prophesied, that God would restore Israel by gathering them back to the promised land. And we've seen that happen today. It's happening in our lifetime. But with respect to provision, Ezekiel saw large numbers of fish for food, fruit trees which produced a monthly harvest of fruit. Could you imagine that? Your apple tree every month producing apples. How incredible! God is, is exponential when he walk, when he moves. He moves exponentially. You know, we don't think past lunch. God's always thinking about way beyond lunchtime. And provision is is, is um, the leaves that that God gives from the trees. They that, that's a healing balm that comes from the leaves of the trees. It's it's um uh, it's it's metaphorical. So God both. Restores Anna and provides. He does both. So this morning, we're going to take a closer look at the different depths of water that Ezekiel saw flowing out from under the threshold of the temple and what I believe they represent for us today. You with me on this? Okay, let's do this. I shared actually on Friday night uh, and uh, yesterday that water in the Bible is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the four different depths of water the angel measured out are symbolic, listen to this, 
are symbolic of how deep you can go with God. Under the old covenant, the temple was the place where God dwelt. He resided in the temple. It was a a geographical location. But who's the temple today? We're the temple. He resides in us. Every follower of Jesus is a temple for the Holy Spirit to reside in. If you're a follower of Christ, you are that temple. You're it. Let me prove it. 1 Corinthians 6.19, it'll come on the screen, I think. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Me. He's in you. He's in us, whom you have received from God. So when you gave your life to Christ, that was the very, very first step. The Holy Spirit took up residence in you. Someone say amen. Amen. When you gave your life to Christ, everything changed. I can testify to that. I was 28 years of age before I realized that I needed Jesus. And boy, did I need him. And everything changed. It's just wonderful. I wouldn't go back for anything. He took up residence in you. And here's the real point. I just want you to get this into your spirit this morning. The reason that he took up residence in you, God gave the Holy Spirit to you to be able to work and flow out of you and through you. Someone say amen. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't hold on to it. Share it. It's been given to you for you to share with other people. Okay, we're getting, we're getting to the first step in a minute. I just want to build the framework so you understand where we're going. So Ezekiel's got this um, measuring line. The angel gave him a measuring line. It was a cubit, which is about a half a meter. I had to Google it actually to find that out. A cubit's about a half a meter. A thousand cubits then is about 500 meters. The angel took Ezekiel for a walk from the temple, which remember, that's where the water began to flow from under the threshold of the temple. And remember that the water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And he measured out four 500 meter distances. Now, I believe what was going on there, and for us today, the angel was showing Ezekiel that as we journey through this life with God, He invites us to go deeper and deeper and deeper with Him. We don't have to stay where we are right now. Wherever you are right now, you don't have to stay there. And here's the other thing about God. There is no upper limit. He has so much more for us to experience if we choose. Okay, here's the first measure. A thousand cubits. Um, Verse three, ankle deep. Okay, so what does ankle deep represent? Well, um, uh, I believe um, that ankle deep was your salvation experience. That's when you cross from death to life. That's the day you gave your life to Christ. And uh, you you kind of just got into the water. That was the beginning of your uh, Christian experience. The act of salvation, church, was the first step. 
but it's only one step of many steps that you can take. You know, an apt metaphor would be to describe the first step of salvation as the, um, the beginning of your Christian life. Uh, in the, you're kind of in the stream, you're, you're, you're in there kind of, kind of finding your way, but you're not ready to swim yet, you're just finding your way. Yeah, it's kind of like you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And 1 Peter 2, 3, uh, 2 verse 2 and 3 says, like newborn babies who crave spiritual milk, you don't give a newborn baby solid food, do you? They, they start with milk, and then you get, I remember when we had babies, um, that, by the way, we've got, uh, for those of you that um, don't know, Christine and I got seven grandchildren, eight's on the way. Let's move on. Uh, so babies, and then you go from milk, and they go to mushy, mushy peas and all, and all that kind of stuff, and then eventually onto solid food. And he says in 1 Peter 2, uh, they crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up. See, there's this whole process of growing in our relationship with God. Don't stay stuck ankle deep. You can if you want, but God recommends that you don't. And step by step, we can take further steps with God in our relationship with God. Peter is talking about I believe here, reading and feeding on the Word of God, growing in your knowledge, growing in your understanding of who God is. You know, I well recall as a new believer, um, before I became a Christian, I actually took the time to read the Bible, Brenda, go figure. Um, and I was living a very secular life, take my word for it. Um, but before I became a Christian, I, I just picked up the Bible one day and thought, oh, I'll have a wee read. And I read it from cover to cover. And you know what, what, what it was like for me reading the Bible? What it did for me it was just like a book. It was just a novel. There was, it was just like reading a novel, you know. Anyway, I read the jolly thing. And, um, and, at some, and at some point, I gave my life to Jesus. I was 28 years of age. You know, the following day when I picked up the Bible, it came alive. All of a sudden, it made sense. Why was that? Because the Holy Spirit had made me alive. He'd come to live in me. What was dead was now alive, Katie. What was dead was now alive, and I wanted other people to know about it. Wow. Life just, I mean, the, the, the air smelt differently. The trees looked greener. My wife, who was drop-dead gorgeous, was even more drop-dead gorgeous, you know? was just fantastic. You see, the Bible is more than a doctrinal God, a list of rules of do's and don'ts. It's unlike any other word. It is a living word. Hebrews 4.12 said that the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. It's your guide to living a good and a right and a righteous life. Listen to what it says. Apply what it suggests that we do, and your life will change for the better just like that. Rick Warren said this about the Bible. God's Word generates life. It creates faith. It produces chains, a change. It frightens the devil, causes miracles, heals hurts, builds character, transforms circumstances, imparts joy, releases power, cleanses our minds, brings things into being, and guarantees our future forever. Ain't that great news? Forever. The Word of God is what the Spirit of God uses to make you and I like the Son of God. 
Get into the Word of God. Don't be one of these Christians like there are in America, always in America. They reckon, the stats, stats show, that pastors spend about three minutes a day reading their Bible. And when it comes to prayer, even less. How about you? Get into the Word of God, folks. It's the first step. You won't grow spiritually without reading the Word of God. The next thousand cubits. Now, there, now it's from ankle deep to knee deep. Verse 4. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was knee deep. What does this knee deep water speak of? Well, two things I believe it speaks of. Number one is our prayer life. You know, we did a series just recently at church, um, uh, the preaching team, on, uh, on, on prayer. And one of the points that came across loud and clear from, from the whole team was, was we asked the question, excuse me, what is prayer? Let me answer that for you. Prayer is simply conversation. That's all it is. It's talking to God, not at God, but talking to God and talking with God. It's simply conversation. You don't, some people get all tied up in knots about prayer. They have to be like Robert, you know, and, and you kind of power prayer and that kind of stuff. But I love that kind of thing. Some of the, um, I must be on my knees or I'm, I must be perfect before I pray. What a lie. Because you're not perfect, that's why you need to pray. Don't, don't let the enemy rob you of your prayer life, folks. You can pray anywhere, anytime, about anything. God is willing and waiting 24-7 to hear from you. In fact, he delights when you begin talking with him. He loves it when you begin talking with him. And that's all about relationship. It's all about building relationship. You know, how are you going to grow your relationship with God if you're not talking to Him? Knee Deep speaks to us also of beginning to understand better the things of God. You know, I've heard people say to me, I just can't understand the Bible. Well, I think that's a sign with the greatest of respect that they're still in the ankle-deep water. And they may even, be, may even be stuck there, but they're still at the beginning. It's okay. It's not wrong. It's not bad, but God has so much more. Amen? So much more. We might, be, we might start in ankle-deep water, but we don't have to stay in ankle-deep water. When you choose to go deeper with God, you begin to understand the things of God better. God has so much more. And I want to encourage you this morning, take another step. Go deeper. Let's read on. Another thousand cubits. This is up to the waist now. Uh, second half of verse 4. He measured off another thousand cubits, and he led me through water that was up to the waist. Now in the Bible, another word for waist is the word loins. And Job 38, God said to him, Now gird up your loins like a man. And so in biblical thought, um, it's a phrase used to tell someone to get ready for hard work or for battle. So waist deep... I think waist deep is a metaphor for strength. 
going deeper into the water. You've got to kind of just kind of steal yourself because the current is flowing. So I think it's a metaphor for strength. It's being in a place where your belief in God is settled and it's solid. Your feet are planted firmly, ready for battle. Waist deep, I think, is a metaphor for strength. At this depth, church, one is able to negotiate personal challenges and disappointments. It's kind of, you're going to another level of spiritual maturity. And the loins also speak of reproduction. Hebrews 7.10 says, Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the loins of his ancestor. Now, Levi, Jacob's son, was yet to be born. So it's talking about reproduction. For us, I believe it's a metaphor describing the reproduction of spiritual children. Waist deep, sharing your faith with others and seeing them come to faith as well. That's reproducing spiritual children. And then the final picture, another thousand cubits. Deep enough to swim in. This is kind of in over your head. Verse 5. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough for me to swim in. Now remembering that water is a metaphor for what? Or an illustration of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the first time that you had swimming lessons at school? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And I, I felt really good and safe as long as my feet were still touching the bottom. But when the instructor said, now Paul, I want you to go in the deep end and over your head, that was a real challenge for me. But eventually, eventually I trusted my instructor, I trusted the word, and I went into the deep end and I learned how to swim. So it is with God. If you're in over your head is where you have chosen to go all in for him. Here is where you, you're choosing to fully trust him. In the depths of your spirit, you're saying, God, I just want more of you. This is where you're saying, here I am, use me. There's some of you here this morning that are in that space right now. I don't want you to put your hand up. I'm not one of those people. But if that's you, put your hand up in your heart. You want more of him? Well, he wants more of you. And he's willing to give you more of him. Are you willing to give him more of you? That's what it comes down to. I just want to show you one more thing before I get the team to come up. That, that, that Ezekiel saw. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. The man was an angel, by the way, an angelic being. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. Now the water is the Holy Spirit, begins first in here as a trickle, just a trickle. But as it flows out, it actually grows, it gets bigger and bigger. Now in our natural world, unless there are contributing streams to the main flow, what happens to the source of water as it begins to flow? It depletes, it diminishes. If, you've got a, um, if you turn on the tap um, in your, in your, on your garden and um, just watch what happens to the water, 
as it moves away from the source, it goes into the soil and eventually just disappears. That's true. That's the natural. But that's not true with God. That's not how God operates. What Ezekiel saw, what he experienced as the river, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, as it advanced from its source, it actually became deeper. As it flowed further, it grew fuller. And here's what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying here. As we go deeper with God and our trust in Him grows deeper, first ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep, then all in over your head. The deeper we go with God, the more we become empowered to be like Him. Smile, everyone. You know, it's the outworking of Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I that live now, but Christ who lives in me. As wonderful and exciting as giving your life to following Jesus is. That first step, I remember it. I remember it vividly. I knew I was saved. I was, there was a freedom, there was a lightness about me. In fact, what happened was that we were invited out to lunch <clears throat> that day to some people from the church who we didn't actually know that well, but I'd just given my life to Christ and uh, it was a dramatic experience and um, uh, Christine actually had to drive the car to the house because I was just a waste of space. I seriously was. We were at these people's house the very first time getting to, getting to know them, having lunch and I just kind of sat in the corner. You know that I really can't shut up for five minutes. But I'm sitting in the corner and it was just, and, and, and the husband said, what's wrong with Paul? <laughs> said to Christine, what's wrong with him? And she didn't know Apart from the fact I'd just come to Jesus, I was in a world of my own. I was soaking in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I was walking on cloud nine. It was such an incredible experience, and it has never changed since then. You know why it hasn't changed, I believe? Because I've chosen, I'm not, I'm not any better than what you are. I'm, I'm just a normal guy, but I've chosen to go from ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep and then over my head. When you put your hand up and say, um, God, call me, I'm available to go into pastoral ministry, you're in over your head. Take my word for it. Hey, Miriam, you're in over your head. It's all God now. It's all Him now. You know, in reality, salvation, the salvation step is just the beginning. But God has so much more. So much more. Can I have uh, Katie bring the team up for me, please? I'm now going to jump off the stage. I want to share a testimony with you. And um, to illustrate in a very live way what I've been talking about, that this is for real. Uh, do you remember when we did the, had the first lockdown last year, beginning of last year? Uh, and um, during that time, we were doing online services, as most people were doing, uh, preaching from our lounge, actually. I was, and my other pastor was preaching from his lounge, and we took turns and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, uh, once we got through all of that and got back into level two, I think it was, it might have been level one, we were back to normal church kind of thing where everyone could meet. This young lady turns up at church. Her name's Marie, and she's given me permission to 
use her first name, you wouldn't have a clue who she was, so that's okay. So Maria came to church, and, um, and, I, and after the service, I spotted her, and I went over and introduced myself to her, as you do, and just started chatting with her. As a result of that, um, uh, I said, look, what we normally do in our church, when a new person comes in, within a week, we'll give you a phone call, and, and arrange to come and visit with you, or go out for, to a cafe somewhere, and just find out who you are, and have a chat. She said, oh, I'd love to do that. So the following week, I did that. I met her in a cafe, and she told me her, told me her story. And I'm sitting there thinking, you are kidding me. It was horrendous, the stuff she was telling me that this young, this young woman who's got two children too, by the way, two little kids, five and three. And the, 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 the short version of the whole thing was, all her life, I think she's about mid-30s or something, all her life she'd been brought up uh, and um, her grandmother was a spiritist, um, uh, seances and all that kind of stuff. She was into the new age big time. And, uh, and spirits would come, and this is her story, by the way, spirits would come into her room and, and talk with her. And they'd be there, there in, there in the room. And she'd be communing with these spirits, this demonic stuff. And she thought that that was normal. She thought that was normal. During lockdown, the first lockdown, she's sitting at home one day, and something spoke to her and said, what you're doing is wrong. So she went, started to go online to find if there are any churches locally, and she just happened to click onto our church. So she turns up. You with me on this? So I had this conversation with her, and I said, oh, Maria, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, um, but, you know, we'll walk the journey with you and all the rest of it. So she continued coming to church. And over, now we're talking about months now. Coming to church, she's faithfully coming. The kids are in the uh, downstairs at night and all that kind of stuff. And she's now growing in her faith. She's beginning to understand who God is. She's now asking questions and connected with a couple of the women in church, one of my elders. I got to, uh, anyway, connect with them and there's relationships being built and all the rest of that stuff. See, Maria, oh, before I get onto that part, and a few months ago, uh, I think I was preaching this day and at the end of the service, we always have a prayer time, which we're going to do here today, ministry time. And I was praying for her about whatever. And as I'm praying, you'll love this, Mirren. As I'm praying for her, God said to me, ask her if she's given her life to Christ. <laughs> I'm praying for this woman who's not even a Christian. <laughs> and, and I said, are you a Christian? She says, no, I'm not, but I'd love to be. I said, right, you come to the right place. So we led her to faith, and, and it was quite extraordinary. And then since then... Um, um, I'd said to her earlier on, you know, Maria, perhaps at some point you're going to have some kind of deep, need some deeper ministry to deal with the, the root causes of all of the stuff that you're going through. And there's a whole lot of other stuff that went on. We went around one night, um, Rebecca, one of my elders, Rebecca and I went around one night because one of these spirits appeared in her room and, and frightened the living daylights out of her. And she called us up at about, I don't know, 11 o'clock or something. We shot around there and we spent some time with her and explained what was going on. She gave her life to Jesus. She went to a Christian counselor. We've got a counselling ministry. Um, we've got four Christian counsellors that work in this thing. Um, they're all qualified, registered, etc., etc. She's been there with her and going through all of this stuff. Wednesday last. Wednesday last. Yeah. What's that, 11 days ago? Yeah, about 11 days ago. I'm in my office. Next minute, my secretary comes in. And she's, she said, Paul, Maria's here. She wants to see you. And most people in, that, in, in my church know that 
you know, you just can't walk straight into the office because I could be in, in the middle of a counseling session or something. And she knocked on the door. So, and I said, Maria who? And she told me, I said, oh, bring her in, bring her in. So Maria comes in. I tell you, folks, it was like she floated through the door. Seriously, I'm going, is that really you? She walks in this big beaming smile over her face. I said, what's going on? She said, I've just come from my counseling session. And while I was there, the counselor um, recognized that that stuff that was going on was demonic, and I have just been delivered. I am free. I have been set free. And you saw it all over her face, her demeanor, everything about her had changed in an instant. Here's what I want you to hear. Maria's story is not unusual, but in one sense it is. You see, this young woman, she chose first to be saved. She went in ankle deep, but she recognized that God had more. So she chose to go knee deep. She decided to start coming to church, even though she wasn't understanding half the stuff we were doing. She chose to come. And then one day, she went waist deep, and we led her to faith in Christ. And then 11 days ago, God set her free. She dived in, all in, and God set her free. Isn't that an awesome story? And in a few weeks' time, she's getting baptized with four others. Isn't that wonderful? You see, yeah, you can clap. You can absolutely clap for Maria. That's what God does. You know, you can choose to stay ankle deep. And again, I really want to say this to you. If that's your choice, that's fine. You can stay ankle deep. You're not unsaved. You'll experience the, um, the, the, the joy of the Lord. Um, you know you, the peace of God will come into your life and, and you're going to heaven. If you died tomorrow, you're going to heaven. Absolutely. But God's got so much more. You can go knee deep. You can go waist deep. Sir, loved what you shared this morning. Really awesome. Set the message up, actually. But you can also choose to go all in, go all the way. See, so it's not a question of how deep can you go with God. The angel showed Ezekiel that you can go as deep as you're willing to go. So the question is not how deep can you go with God. The question is how deep are you willing to go with God? So as I understand it, um, we've got a song. Yep, yep, we're going to, going to start. Please stand, everybody. We're going to, uh, we're going to sing the song. <clears throat> the song is just to create atmosphere creates atmosphere, so it's just you and God. You just sense you uh, and the Holy Spirit. Shall I climb back up here? Um, 
the music in and of itself, it's not, it's not an incantation, it's not magic or anything like that. It's just creating an atmosphere where you can commune with God. But I want to say to you this morning, if while you're communing with Him, as the team are leading us, what a, what a wonderful worship team you've got, by the way. Wow. As they're leading us, when you sense the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit calling you to go deeper, um, please, please come down. Let us pray for you. We've got a whole team of people here ready, willing to go, just to pray that God will give you more. Don't hold back. Don't stay in the shallow end. In fact, don't stay in knee deep. If you want to go waist deep, then dive in. If you want to go all in, go all in. Take the opportunity to come down and allow us to pray for you and see you walk out of here like Maria walked into my office on cloud nine, set free. Does that make sense? Thank you, team.